you know, I'm just a basic millionaire next door kind of guy. I have a pretty modest house and I drive a 2001 Jeep Cherokee that I paid $12,000 for, you know, over 20 years ago. I never had a car payment or anything like that and been kind of that uh, simple investor index fund kind of guy. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 220. Happy New Year to you, Clark. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Happy New Year to you as well. Doing great, man. You know, this time of year is is uh, it's exciting and it's interesting. We uh, we were just talking a little bit before the show, and I was telling you how this is one kind of year end exercise I always do, and in, in addition to kind of reviewing my goals on a quarterly basis, but also on an annual, putting together the net worth spreadsheet, and which I actually do monthly, but at the year end I kind of adjust real estate and some other things, but. Looking over beneficiaries and insurances and trust documents and will documents. And did I do this every year and have for quite some time now? And you know, what's funny. I had some mistakes from last year that I caught this year. So I went through those <laughs> like what? just some minor things. You know, one thing is I did have an additional child this year in November. So I needed to update for that, which wasn't a mistake per se as from last year, but just some of the percentages that I had allocated and the way I had broken some things up were different from the way that I had essentially put it in the will and some other things. I just, I had her kind of redo some of the paperwork and it's still not finalized, but I caught an error and minor stuff. I mean, not, not a big deal, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's why you go through that stuff every year because even though I do, I still made a mistake last year and those that reviewed it obviously, uh, didn't catch it either. So do you do anything like that every year? Yeah. And most of our listeners probably know, but even if you don't have a will, if you go into your fidelity or Vanguard or whatever brokerage account, I mean, I assume it's the same for both or for all of them. I use fidelity, but you can go in and set your beneficiary. So even if you don't have a former will, you can go in and and I, I believe under fidelities, at least I could be mistaken here, but I, I think it's separate for each account. So you have to go in and designate it for all your different accounts within fidelity and then you can you can designate a primary and a second ben- secondary beneficiary and what percent of that account goes to them. So even if you're just starting out and you don't have a will or maybe you don't have kids yet or whatever the need to, or you're working on the will, at least go in there and set those beneficiaries. Is that's a pretty quick process. Yeah, that in full disclosure, that's one of the mistakes I had was the the, the secondary beneficiary. I forgot to put my son on there. <laughs> And he was he was born at the end of nineteen, so my daughter had everything in one of the accounts. He didn't have anything, so I made it up to him this year. I gave him, I gave him thirty four percent instead of thirty three percent. My two daughters got thirty three percent. So <laughs> his secondary there'd be some, beneficiaries there'd be some fighting over some money. <laughs> yeah, they don't even they fight over a lot of stuff already, you know. But they're they're good kids. <laughs> they're they're fun. But yeah, that was one of the mistakes. And I had a few other just minor stuff, but. Yeah, it's something to some be aware of. I think a lot of people talk about it. And f- at least in my circle, I think a lot of people forget to kind of follow through on all of those kind of planning issues that you hope never need to come into play. Um, but it's always, it's always good to, to, to do it. You know, we've had probably a handful on that on the podcast so far that have had situations like that. 
And at some point it will come into play, right? Like we're all going to pass at some point, but something to be, to be aware of. And the other thing too, is just looking at your insurances and, you know, are you covered, are you overcovered, undercovered? And, you know, especially looking at umbrella policies, that's something that I, I got to reevaluate every year and figure out what, what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not. And, you know, looking at all everything as a, as a holistic financial view. Some people go meet with a financial planner or advisor to do that. Uh, but some, something to be aware of and, and keep in mind as we kind of move into 2022, especially with people's valuations and, you know, investments going up so significantly yeah. over the last yep, yep. year or two. Now's a good time to do it. Yep. So this week we have Mike. He's 41 years old, works as a police officer. He has three kids. His net worth is $1.5 million. Last week's episode, we had JC. He was 70 years old, retired, spends a significant amount of his time traveling in his RV around the country with his wife. Definitely one of our most seasoned guests. He started his career in the military, so in a couple different branches. He was also a bartender in various states, which is interesting. I think he's probably been one of the only bartenders we've had on the show, or at least uh, told us that that was one thing they did in their in their career. Eventually moved into electronics and finished his career out at App- Apple. He had a net worth of $2.2 million and made 90% of his wealth after he was 50, which is uh, quite interesting given that we haven't had very many people uh, over 50. Once again, if you'd like to submit a question to Ask a Millionaire, you can do that on our website on our SpeakPipe or uh, send us an email. We'll be happy to address it or send it to Ask a Few Millionaires when we do the interviews on a weekly or biweekly basis. Also, we have a call out if we've got any business owners that are interested to be on the show. We've had a few guests write in that they would like to hear from some more business owners. We'd love to have you on the show. Without any further delay, let's get into the episode with Mike. Mike, thanks for joining us and, and welcome to the call. Yes, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about you. Give us a little elevator pitch about who Mike is. Uh, I'm 41. I'm a police officer here in the Cincinnati area. Uh, I've been at the same police department for 21 years now. Uh, I got three kids, a 14-year-old, 12, and 10. Current net works sits at about $1.5 million, And I'm a pretty simple index investing kind of guy. Okay, awesome. And, and let's just go into the 1.5 first, and then we'll go into your story a little bit. So, and I think, by the way, you're only the second police officer we've had on the show here. So, the 1.5 million, how is it broken up? Uh, I got about 700,000 all in my uh, 457 plan. And like I said, it's all in index funds. I got about 535,000 in the uh, Vanguard SP 500 fund. And then the remain is in uh, the Vanguard extended index market fund. And then about 10000 just in my checking account. And then my pension is valued at 825000 right now. And other than that, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty simple. I keep my accounts, everything as carefree and as simple as possible. So you don't include your house in net worth, right? Uh, no, I've got about probably 250000 in home equity, but I just, I just look at it as a place to live. And I use my net worth as if I stopped working tomorrow, what is going to bring me income and how am I going to live? And, you know, unless I sold my house or changed how I was uh, living with my housing costs, that $250,000 is not coming to me. So I don't really include that right now. Yeah. And and is it the same thinking for, you have an IRA, right? For one of your kids or all your kids and, and education savings accounts, same thinking there? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got, I actually started Roth IRAs for all three of my children. I joke with my 14-year-old, he's probably the first kid that's got a uh, IRA before a cell phone. So I said, you probably understand that when you get a little bit older. But um, but yeah, they all got uh, Roth IRAs that I help contribute to. They all work a little bit. And other than that, that's all in their names. And I'm just a custodian. 
Yeah. yeah. And so how much do you contribute to each of those? And at what age did you start them? Uh, the 14 year old, I max his out, you know, I do the 6,000. He, he works enough with, you know, he's a, he's a caddy and soccer referee and he does enough to where he, he, he makes that 6,000 income. I started that when he was 12. Um, and then I just started one for my, you know, nine year old and then, you know, 11 year old just turning 12 here last year. And both of them, right. I just put right around a thousand dollars into theirs. So the 14 year old that you started when 12, so let's call it, I don't know, two or three years of contribution. So the balance is what, like 20 to 25 grand or so 20 to 23 grand. Yeah. He's sitting right about, right about there. Yep. Wow. And, and what's it used for? Are you going to use it for education? You're just going to give, gift it to him. What's the plan? My plan is the, I mean, he, he's already down the path where I, you know, show him what it is and how it works. And I want to educate him so he understands what it is and, you know, whatever he wants to use it for, it's up to him. Um, it's all in BTSAX. And you know, if he wants to use some of it for college, he could, because it'll be over that five-year rule. If he wants to get a scholarship, if he doesn't want to go to college, if he wants to save it for retirement or starting a business, he can, he can use it as he sees fit. Yeah. What does he think about it? I'm trying to think what I would think if my, if I had had that when I was 14 years old, I probably wouldn't have fully understood it. No, I mean, he, they ask some questions, you know, I get them all around and you know, the, the nine-year-old just turned 10. He's, he was just asking me driving home, you know, where my stock's at today, dad. So he, <laughs> he kind of sort of understands it just from his older brother a little bit, but, uh, you know, I've just, uh, I just kind of go over the statement and when the statement comes every month, we just go through it. So he understands what it's invested in and what it's meant for and, you know, what the Roth is for, what the IRA stands for, and just kind of the basics right now. So he doesn't give it too much thought. He just knows he has some kind of money for something. Right, right. So going back to the retirement accounts, about 700000 in the 457, you said, and most of it's in, in the S&P index and then other index funds. Have you always been invested that way in index funds or has that shifted through the years? Uh, that's shifted. I mean, I used to have all my stuff and all active management funds. You know, I had it broken down to growth funds and value funds and emerging markets and international. And I'd say probably 12 years ago, I switched everything all to index and uh, haven't really looked back. Um, it is difficult every now and then when I look at some of the active funds that are in my four or five, seven plan you know, making 60, 65% and, and say, man, should I have, you know, half of my money in that? Or should I put some in it? I just, I just haven't yet, but, uh, I, w I went all in an in index funds. Yeah. So how did this all, how did this all start becoming a police officer? Is it something you always wanted to do or career wise? I mean, tip back it up to 2022. I don't know if you went to college. How did your career start? Well, I actually went to college to be, I wanted to be an arson investigator for the fire department. I worked for the Cincinnati fire department for two years and um, was going to college for arson investigation. I started that job at 18. Here in Ohio, you can become a firefighter at 18, but you got to be 21 to be a police officer. My father and his father were both police officers, so I kind of had that in the family. I just randomly just kind of took the test to become a police officer at 21 as I was applying for fire departments as well, and I got hired to be a police officer first. Wow, neat. And what's the test? Uh, basic civil service, civil service, physical, polygraph exams. You know, medical evaluations, they're all pretty much the same here for all the departments. Gotcha. I just hired police before fire, but I would have yeah. been fine if they want, I guess. Yeah. And we normally get into this at the end, but what did you, what was your, if you're comfortable sharing, what was your starting salary when you started as a police officer? Uh, I was at right about $40,000. You know, I 
first started, I was working, you know, every overtime shift I possibly could. You know, I lived in a, an apartment, you know, $300 a month, heat and water included. And I maxed out my four five, seven plans starting at 18 years old. Wow. And I've been there ever since. And what was, I'm just thinking, going back, what was the contribution limit? Um, I guess I could look it up. I can't remember. what sixteen five now. I mean, I, when I first started, I was working for two fire departments and one of them, I never even got a paycheck. The entire paycheck went in there and I lived off the other one. And I'm trying to think what that was. It was somewhere around seven, $8,000, I think. Mm-hmm. Now it's doubled, I guess. Yeah, so you've it. maxed that out every year for over 20 years. Yeah. I, uh, I just backed off it here just a couple of years ago when my four or five, seven plan just started an account maintenance fee. I kind of got a little ticked off at that and I uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> reduced my contribution and then said it's time to live a little too. So I've, I've uh, definitely backed down on that. I just do $800 a month now. So how'd you know to do that, Mike? I mean, from 18, is that something your, your parents taught you or did you just figure it out on your own? Well, I mean, when I was you know, 17, 18, my dad just took me to the bank randomly one day and we opened my first Roth IRA. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. He just went there with me and I handed my, I think it was either two, $3,000 to the the guy working at the bank and said, here, put it in a Roth IRA. And they just put it in a mutual fund and I kind of started my investing. And then I'd just say from that time to today, I just started educating myself and I've probably read every financial blog and every financial book you could possibly name. And it's just more of a hobby to me. What's the best book you've read or what's your favorite? Oh, man. I really, you know, I started, I was a diehard Dave Ramsey guy, you know, back in the day. And I've definitely lightened up here a little bit as I've gotten older and had kids. Um, I've read, you know, really like all the Jack Bogle stuff. And, you know, I, w- I was into the early retirement extreme by, you know, Jacob Lund Fisker, if you know him. Um, some really hardcore stuff when I was younger, younger. You know, I'm just a basic millionaire next door kind of guy. I have a pretty modest house and I drive a 2001 Jeep Cherokee that I paid $12,000 for, you know, over 20 years ago. I never had a car payment or anything like that and been kind of that uh, simple investor index fund kind of guy. Wow. You've had it for 20 years. It's amazing. How many miles on that? 139,000. That's it. You got a while. Get rid of that thing. And I say, I'm going to put another 100,000 miles on it. (laughs) I drive it. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned you were into Dave Ramsey and now it's kind of fallen off a little. How come? Or you said once you had kids, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I was very extreme on no debt and, um, you know, I just, you know, lived on a very strict tight budget to where I passed on, uh, a Reds game here and there if it wasn't in the budget. And, you know, once I had the kids and stuff, I don't know, maybe call me mortal or something. I just realized that I have enough money that I'm going to be fine in my retirement and anything I would need to do that, I've kind of lightened up on, you know, I, I had a 15-year mortgage on my first house and I took a 30-year on the second one, even though I'm paying it as a 15. You know, I backed off my four, five, seven plan a little bit. Those are things that, that were very foreign to me and I would never have done, but um, I guess just getting older is what, what caused that change a little bit. So you've been in the same house for the last 20 years as well, or how long you own the house? Um, I've been in the same house since 2012. Before that, this is the second house I've owned. The first one I took a 15-year mortgage on. And we lived there, you know, almost 14 years. So I almost had it paid off. And it was, it was, uh, we changed houses for school districts, which was, was a very stressful time trying to, uh, reset the mortgage and know I'm going back into debt again, knowing I was almost at the finish line to be totally debt free. Yeah. 
you know, it's worked out well. The kids are in a good school and I have a mortgage and life is okay. It'll be just fine. So on the, on the new home or the home you've been in since 2012, you decided to get a 30 year versus a 15. Yeah, I did a 30. When we moved into this house, my wife, she wasn't working. So we we're just living off my income. You know, I did that just in case we needed to uh, have some kind of a money for our cash flow. You know, so I, I pay it as a 15 year, but as it is a 30, the interest rates are so low that there isn't much difference in them. My wife is now back to working full time, so we can really you know plow money into that mortgage if we wanted to. Yeah, what's the rate on it? Uh, Two point five. Oh wow, you got it cheap. You know, we just found out my youngest there at nine was diagnosed with dyslexia this year, so we were able to send him to this private school that specializes in dyslexia. That you know, mm. lost like twenty five thousand dollars a year to go there, and you know, just things like that that are coming up in life. I can I can do, and um, if I don't want to put that extra mortgage payment down that month, you know, we, we can go to the school or something for a short amount of time to get his problems fixed up. And is that supposed to be uh, like a shorter term fix or is it supposed to attend for a couple of years or how does that work? Uh, they say it's about a two, three year program and then they go back to their the school they came from. So he's, he's just finishing almost his first year there and it's been absolutely life changing. Hmm. It's been difficult. Like I said, to, to spend that money is difficult for me to do and look at that. But you know, you can't really put a price tag on it. So I, I think. Yeah. Way, I mean, what yeah, would you do if you, if you hadn't saved all this and been financially responsible? I mean, that'd be tough to not be able to send someone to something like that if there was a, a need. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I, my income is definitely exceeds my needs and wants. And when things come up, whether we're on spring break in Florida for during coronavirus and they lock down the entire state of Ohio, where we just, you know, added another week and two on our vacation. It was no big deal. Um, when my son's diagnosed with dyslexia, we look around and find this crazy expensive private school that specializes and we can go there without, you know, adjusting or having any, you know, major problems in our life to afford that. And that's kind of, you know, how we live. And so it's, it's definitely allowed me to do a lot of things for what I was able to do younger and, you know, work some overtime shifts and invest some money, things I don't really remember now that uh, allowed me to be in a very good position sitting at 41 years old. Okay, let's take a quick break from the episode with Mike and thank our sponsor Wix for sponsoring today's show. Whether you're starting your online business or you've got a side hustle, you can design a site to showcase your brand that'll look great on any device. So take your business online with Wix, W-I-X, the leading website creation platform that has all the tools you need to create, manage, and grow your brand. Join over 200 million people, 200 million, Jays, people already using Wix's wide range of solutions to enhance their businesses. Plus, with enterprise-grade security built into every site, you know you're in safe hands. You can manage everything from one dashboard on desktop and mobile so you can be available anywhere at any time, in the office, at home, or on the go. So we, we when we started Millionaires Unveiled, I mean, so we should have used Wix, right, Jace, to get it going here. So <laughs> want to get started? Head over to Wix.com and create your website today. And let's get back into the interview with Mike. So do you talk to your kids about money? I know we, we talked about the IRAs a little bit, but do you talk to them more about it? And what's the plan going forward in generational wealth? Have you and your wife decided how you're going to either pass that money on or give it away or what your plans are there? Well, I mean, that's where I'm... I'm starting to look now. I mean, I've got three years left and I could actually retire with my pension if I wanted to. In the state of Ohio, they have a thing called the DROP program, which is a deferred retirement option program, which it's kind of like you're retired, but get hired back. I run some of the numbers on that and puts me, you know, 
upwards of six plus million dollars in my early fifties if I would do that. And for me, it's pretty simple. That's 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 a lot of money. It's just obscene numbers that I'm never gonna be able to spend. And I don't really believe in just giving it all to my children or anything like that. I that's why I kind of wrote, opened the Ross now. I believe in kind of transferring some of that wealth while I'm still alive, and that they can use some of it. And then. Um, what to do with that? That's a good question. I haven't really gotten there yet. And there's things that I'm starting to work on with that and tax implications. And I've always been so focused on saving, 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 saving. And now I'm sitting here yeah. saying, well, I need to start looking at withdrawing, withdrawing, withdrawing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, I guess I could have other problems. You're right. Yeah. So you mentioned you're a millionaire next door type of guy. Does that mean any friends or family know of your wealth or not at all? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, my, my friends at work and coworkers, they, they know I drive a 2001 car and they, they know I've been maxed out in my four, five, seven plan and my parents and brothers the same way, but I don't think that they would think it's to the level that it's at with the compound interest over the years, you know, cause we're not flashy or anything like that, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm a millionaire at all. And, you know, my wife definitely doesn't either when you, if you'd ask her, so it's kind of one of those weird things. I know when you guys interviewed your spouse or that one quote, <laughs> she said, some days I felt like we were rich, some days enrolling in it. And other days I didn't know if we were going to lose a house. I think that's kind of what my wife says. I, I show my wife some of these numbers and she laughs at me and doesn't understand it and says, those aren't real because we're, we haven't changed our lifestyles. Yeah, right. We're not spending yeah. it anyway. So where's the money? Yeah. <laughs> I just I say we're gonna have a great retirement though. That's that's all I keep telling. Very time. Do you guys travel a lot, or how do yeah, you? Is there something have, that you do uh, splurge on? We just went to Yellowstone here just just a few months ago. Uh, I guess I went to Florida for spring break. We go to Hilton Head in the summers. We haven't really lived some crazy deprived lifestyle. I mean, it has not uh, been anything that if we need to go out and buy something or need something, we get it. We don't we don't deprive ourselves to the point of that. We just aren't uh, buying a new car. Um, you know, I just got my first smartphone here probably a year ago. I've been a flip phone flip phone guy for a while. I never really needed a flip phone or a smartphone. Thought it would do anything for me. It's not. We just don't have many wants. I would say is what it is. Gotcha. And and within the police department, those that you work with, is money talked about often? Are other people as aggressive in the sense of maxing out their retirements as you are? Or are you unique in that way? Um, I'd say it's about fifty fifty. You know, half of People I work with, they are young. They have big diesel trucks. They're in debt up their eyeballs. They they work a ton of overtime shifts just to spend more, and they don't give a second thought about it. And then the other half, they they do save. They can catch someone like myself or an older officer that's kind of, you know, giving them some education when they first started to say, start putting some money here before you do anything else. Um, it's been interesting to watch. You know, we've We've had a few officers pass away in the line of duty here in the region just this year. So it's always that borderline thing where people mm. are kind of reckless because they, they they know it's a dangerous profession. So they might not be here tomorrow, but then they don't save anything and retirement comes and they're broke. So um, it's kind of 50-50. Depends on, I guess, just the officer and the employee. Is it talked about often or is it is it not really? I mean, I guess in a, any normal workplace, it's really not talked about unless you're yeah, close I mean, with somebody or with a friend. You know, it's probably average. You know, we have the people that come in from these these investment companies that want to try and sell things or try and hook up and be the financial advisors. And so that, you know, they all go to the, the the monthly meeting and stuff, but they don't really understand it. And many of them just come to me and say, hey, what what do I do with this? Where should I invest my money? Or you just tell me what to do. And 
I, I really want them to understand what they're doing on their own and, and trying to educate them a little bit. And I mean, a lot of the problems I see is, is not just investing. It's their, whether it's their marriages, going through divorces, those kind of things are big, big things that just, just crush their finances and their cars and stuff. Those are the big things that get them as opposed to if they put their money in an index fund or a, you know, an actively managed fund. Yeah. So did you ever invest in the market outside of those retirement accounts, just like in a traditional normal investment account? Or, or no? Uh, I mean, I did. Like I said, I when I was 17, 18, I opened my Roth IRA. And along with being maxed out in my four, five, seven plan, I maxed out my Roth every year. I did that. I just had a couple single stocks that I, I had throughout the years. That's kind of you know, one of my biggest mistakes. If I could go back in time, we, we bought this house in 2012. I took out about $125,000 from my Roth IRA and put it into buying this house and remodeling this entire house. And it was a, it was a tough thing for me because I was so scared of debt at that point. My wife wasn't working. We had one income. I just didn't want to take on any debt. But looking back, I wish I would have maybe taken half of that out or none, none of it out at all and taken more of a mortgage. Just because you have it at such a low rate now, you're saying? Yeah. And I, you know, if you look at our, our mortgage payment and stuff, it is, it, you know, we could double, triple it and still be totally fine with today's standards and numbers for our income. And for me to, you know, not take an extra $500 a month on a mortgage to take out $125,000 in Roth IRA, knowing what that would be today, if I would left that in there and knowing what that would be today in, you know, 20 years is, it was a, it was a terrible financial decision and move. But it was, it was a learning lesson for me that I've, I'd over-invested and I didn't have any money on hand if I needed to make a major, major purchase like that other than debt. So I was so scared to take out additional debt. That's, that's why I did that. And well, that's Dave Ramsey, right? I mean, Jason yeah. and I are both the same. We talk, and, and a lot of our millionaires that come on the show are, are the same, right? Where you get so involved in Dave Ramsey and think that that's so bad. And I mean, teach their own. Some of our millionaires have no debt and some are, most of them actually are just like you where they don't rush to pay off the home because it's at such a low interest rate. Yeah. And that's where I'm sitting now. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I could direct some more money and in, into my mortgage and really aggressively try and knock that out here very quickly. And I'm saying, well, you know, I've, I've got kids here that are going to go to college soon and aren't going to be young forever and maybe take a vacation here and there. So I'm trying to find more of a balance with it. Right, right. And has that been hard to change that mindset mindset to have that shift of spending more versus saving more? Uh yeah. It's been it's been a little difficult, you know, not too too terribly bad because we haven't gone to such an extreme of you know, of, of splurging and buying new cars and you know, just, just like blowing the money. We we've spent it on, like I said, my child's education and just a little bit more fun type stuff. I'm I'm not going to, you know, to make that adjustment, I will never be the person that's going to make that adjustment just to buy toys or things, that kind of stuff. But I would do it for kind of education and experiences. And sure. it's been rewarding. I'm glad I've done it because like I said, I'm getting older. So, you know, the kids are getting older too and you only have that, that time once. Yeah. Have you ever used a financial advisor? Um, when my wife and I got married, she had a financial advisor with Merrill Lynch. So we just, when we merged our accounts, I briefly used who she had and it was, it was not a very good experience. You know, I was, I was in the phase of my life where I was really kind of educating myself and learning more and more. And you know, I was just looking at some of these funds I'm in that, you know, two to 3% fees and 
Uh, we would get things in the mail where every single stock and mutual fund we owned was sold, and then they was all put into gold. Or the next month, it was all sold and put into whatever they thought the hot, you know, mutual fund or stock was for the mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like that. I mean, I remember calling the guy and asking if he could, you know, speak speak to us before he sold anything. And you know, he said, "I'm a full service broker, and we don't we don't really do that." And yeah, that's kind of when I just left Merrill Lynch and put everything to Vanguard and put everything in index funds and I haven't touched it since then. Oh, that's interesting. Good for you. So the, the financial advisors are those that come into the police department. How does that work? They just come in and try and make a connection with somebody and be hired as their financial advisor or something? Or how do they get that in? Well, it's very interesting. I mean, back in my younger days when I had, you know, thought I was going to go into real estate or start a business, all these things on the side that I had ideas on, that was one of my things I wanted to do was become some kind of a financial advisor to police officers or firefighters and nurses and teachers. You know, that's what I wanted to do. And then there's a guy that actually lives in the same city as me. He has a financial advising firm. He's actually come into our department and a lot of the departments here in the Cincinnati region, they're just from the retirement accounts, the four five, seven plans. So they are financial advisors, you know, from those companies that come into the departments and just give kind of spiels and, um, he's actually offered me a job and said, you know, when you retire here in three years, you're more than welcome to come do that as a job. So as much as I, uh, don't have the best opinion of financial advisors, it might be a retirement gig for me. There you go. You can change the mindset of people about financial advisors. Yeah. I mean, they're not, you know, just, just, I just, it, I just struggle with what, what are charged from them. I, fees. Yep. You know, knowing how easy it is now. I mean, especially, I think Vanguard has them too, but I go through Fidelity and they have, I think, at least four zero-fee index funds, total market, large cap, small cap, and international mm-hmm. zero-fee index funds that you could buy in a Roth, in, a, in just a traditional investment account or anything. So hard to be, hard to compete with that, really. Yeah, it's, I like more of the financial planning, the overall thing to go through. Yeah. Bills and everything more than just this, the investing and selling of a, of a mutual fund or selling of a stock. Yeah, and there's certainly some of that, especially if you start getting into wills, right? And setting up accounts for your children and tax planning. Yeah, I think that's definitely my next step and stage that I need to head into is, is looking at some more of that. And, you know, I might actually you know, get some kind of financial help for that because that is foreign to me. And um, what's the best way to withdraw some of this money? You know, as I get a little bit older here, what's the best way to set you know, some of these things up for my children or how does all that work and probably where I'm heading next. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when you became a millionaire? You're at 1.5 now. Well, when I started out, you know, at 18 to 21, starting in the fire service, I wanted to be debt free at 35 and hit my first million at 40. And that was just, you know, money in the bank when, you know, I didn't include my pension in that. With us moving to this next house, I didn't meet my goal of being debt free at thirty five, one hundred percent. I would still say at forty, I was I was a millionaire if you go by net worth for sure. You know, if you just go money in the bank, it was at about thirty six. If you would throw my home equity in there, yeah. And you mentioned debt free. Are you talking outside the mortgage, or when did you have student loans or anything like that? No, I uh, I guess I worked two jobs at a fire department and paid my way through college as I went. And I've never taken any any car payment out or I've never used a credit card. I just got my first credit card just probably two years ago in my life. Um, the only debt I've ever had in my life has been a mortgage. And did you work a lot more or overtime early on in your career to make more? Yeah. You know, my wife joked how much I worked that, you know, she never saw me and I did. I worked. <laughs> I worked a lot. <laughs> you know, starting at 18, the fire service, you know, we worked these 24-hour shifts and 
I wouldn't come home for two, three days sometimes. And, you know, especially when we had our kids were very, very young and she stopped working completely. I, I worked a lot. And so, you know, now she's got a full-time job and I, overtime shifts come up and it's no big deal if I work them or don't work them. And it's been definitely a shift and change for us here with our working structure. So you said 24 hour shifts? Yeah, that's what, you know, in the fire department, we would work 24, 48, so one day and then off for two. But in those two days off, I would just go work another job. So I'd work at either a second wow. fire department or that's when I would go to college. I would do things on those two days off. So did you graduate college? Uh, yep. I graduated from the University of Cincinnati. I got a bachelor's degree and um, I've looked at even getting a master's degree now just to go further. But like I said, I just... I'm struggling to look at the cost of college and debating it for my children and just, just on a cost basis issue is what is that going to do to to get me a master's degree is not going to do anything different as far as how much I'm going to make it with my position in the police department, or it's not going to stop me from getting promotion if I would want to. It just, it'd be more just an interesting thing for an educational and it's just not worth sure. $25,000 to me. It's pretty amazing though, Mike, that you were working two jobs and going to school part-time. Yeah. Like I said, I, I I didn't even collect one paycheck from one fire department. The whole thing went into my four, five, seven investment account. So, you know, even though I didn't start the police department until I was 21, I already had my four, four, five, seven plan started from when I was 18. I already had big bucks in there that was already starting to compound. Wow. It's amazing. Getting such a young start too and contributing every year since 18. I think you may be the first or the youngest we've had that's done that. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I want to pass on to my kids there where I thought it was crazy to start my 14 year old's IRA. And I said, well, I can put a few hundred bucks here on my nine year olds because he's actually working a little bit too. He qualifies. So why not? So I started his as well. Wow. Good for you. So let, let's shift gears here a little bit and talk about the pension, about $825,000 in that, correct? Yeah. I just, value, at where I'm sitting, I have almost 22 years in. So that's like 33% of my, um, the average of my highest five years. I, I make right at $100,000. I just take, you know, about $33,000 and times that by 25, it gives me the $825,000. I just, I kind of live off that 4% rule. And once I do three more years, that 33% will be a 60% of my pension. And that just mm. goes up from there. For every year I go past 25 years, it goes up a percent and a half more. So the longer you work, the more it vests. Or the more you get, I guess. Yeah. And so, is there a, is there a cutoff? Do you have to work a certain amount of years to be eligible at all? Uh, you have to be 15 years to be vested. So I'm, I'm there with that. So if, that's why that's I have I have it in my net worth. So if I left tomorrow or I got injured or, you know, society crumbles, which, you know, with everything going on, I just don't want to do the job anymore. I could walk away and I would I would get that value of the pension, you know, that day I left. And how does it get paid out? Is it annually for the rest of your life? Uh, yep. It's annually the rest of your life. They have made some changes to it. You know, you used to get a, you know, guaranteed 3% cost of living increase. Um, that's on an adjusted basis now. Um, there's some things in there with, if you take the full hundred percent, if, or when you pass away, you know, it, it, it goes down for what your spouse gets. Like I said, my dad, but he's been retired now for 23 years as a police officer. So I've kind of watched his pension and the mistakes he's made and things he would do differently has kind of educated me on that. Yeah. So, so right now you'd be at 33,000 a year. Yeah. I'd be at 33,000. And then if I do three more years, I'd be at, you know, roughly $60,000 a year. Wow. That's a big like, jump. Yeah. The, the full, full amount is when you hit the 25 year mark in the state of Ohio. I mean, that, that for you guys, I mean, don't let me put words in your mouth here, but that's about 
you're not going to spend more than 60 a year, are you? No, that's why I really backed off my four, five, seven plan and in my investing and said, what am I doing here? I've, I've got right now what I would be comfortable living the exact same life as I have now. And if I would do another five, 10 more years, I'm going to have, you know, more money than I would ever even know what to do with just personally. I'm never going to be the guy that's going to go buy five homes or a house on the beach type stuff. And I don't, Right. it sounds Odd to say, but I don't really know what to do with um, with with that where with they the money are going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I guess to give it to my kids and what they're going to do. They're I guess they'll buy the Ferrari, right? <laughs> so what do you what do you what do you guys as a family spend a year annually? Uh, we're probably right around eighty thousand, I'd say. And does that include the mortgage payment? It does. It does. That doesn't include right now. I guess we're spending right uh, just a little over twenty on my son's private school. That's a new expense we hit this year. That Hopefully, we'll go away here in two years, possibly three. You know, eighty thousand with three kids being involved in every activity possibly could could do as far as baseball and basketball. And so, yeah, you're right. If you got rid of these three uh, kids on the payroll here, I definitely would say we would easily live off of just my pension alone. Wouldn't even be touching my four. Yeah, five. you get rid of the school. That's sixty ish. Call it. if it's twenty, and then you get rid of the mortgage. It's probably another what twenty or something all in. Yeah. So you'd be spending forty a k and bringing in sixty. Yeah. You wouldn't be yeah, that's what I mean. your principal at all. My wife, she just started working a full-time job and she's making, you know, $75,000 a year. And, you know, it's, it's definitely cut into our, our time of having some days off during the week together. Cause I work a weird schedule and I have the random Tuesdays and Thursdays off. And we're saying to ourselves, why are you working this full-time job if we don't need the money and you, you know, it's taking a lot of time up. So she might step away from that here. Probably when our son gets done with this private school. So what's the answer to that? Is it because she she wants to to stay busy? She enjoys it. Yeah, like I said, we just were just it was a thing to do. You know, she she was working full time as a nurse. You know, when before we had kids, and then we had kids, she stopped working. And once they got to school age and were in school full time, it was just she went back to work. And then we're looking at each other, saying, "Why did you go back to work? We didn't really need you to go back to work. <laughs> we were living fine with you not working." And you know, Daddy's having to uh, spend a lot of. Uh, you know, days here after working night shift, trying to carpool and stuff. And so it's, it's been a strain with us now being this two full-time working parents, which is mm-hmm. been very foreign to us. And so that's definitely something we're, we're looking at in our life saying maybe we should back down to either you on a part-time job or just going back, not working at all. And we'll be totally fine. Yeah. So a- along with that and looking forward, any, any financial goals you have, is there a target net worth or anything you want to get to or? Uh, like I said, just to maintain, you know, I always like I had those goals of 35 and 40 and then at retirement, I always said somewhere between three and 5 million and I'm definitely going to be there if not, if I didn't even change anything right now. So those are my financial goals. I've met them. Like I said, I need to make new goals now of how am I going to withdraw those or what are we going to do? So what do we, how do we handle that? And that's not something I've put much thought into because I've always been so focused, like I said, on accumulating. Yeah. So I know we've hit on, I appreciate you sharing all this and being so open. I know we've hit on a lot of advice and, and a couple of mistakes you've made, but I mean, w- when a police officer is just starting off, asks you for advice or let's just even make it broader for somebody who's twenty twenty five and just getting started. W- what's your advice to them? Uh, just start investing now. Don't wait till the next paycheck. Don't wait till the beginning of the year. Just put as much as you can starting now in, in, you know, that automatic millionaire, those kind of books and stuff. I've read all of those. And um, it's just something that 
you know, you just need to start immediately and not worry about anything else and live off whatever is rest, the rest of what's left over. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good advice. So just in closing here, I know we've taken a lot of your time. So what does it mean to be happy or fulfilled? And has this money brought that to you along the way? Well, I mean, for me personally, I'm a big big person on security. So it's it's brought me a sense of security and calm. Like I don't have any worries or concerns, you know, financially. And I think just as much of accumulating the money has been the lifestyle that I've I've led that I don't I don't want or need for much to where I need to have a high income or a high you know, investments to keep up with that lifestyle. Um, so it's just it's given me security to be able to take care of my family, my children. I can help my children out with as much or as little of college if if we choose to. Um, I can retire in three years if I want to at 44 years old and go do a whole second career if I want to. I could work till I'm 50, 55 years old at the same job and you know double my net worth. Uh, it just it just giving me options and security have been the two big things that you know it's really helped me out on. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking to that, what's the motivator for you now? You know, deep down, what motivates you to, to keep working and keep doing this? Is it, is it that security? Well, I mean, I, I'm not one of those officers that, that hates their job. I don't mind going to work. I actually enjoy work, I, whether it's being a police officer or a firefighter or back when I worked for a lawn company or a golf course. Like I, I enjoy working. You know, I think that we are made to, to work and have a purpose and, I'm not going to be laying around on the beach all day. It's fun for a week or two, but that stuff gets old. And, you know, I think that, you know, what keeps me going is just, I like being around people and, you know, my job is fulfilling in other ways. You know, it's, it's been difficult to hear the last year and two with, with a lot of stuff going on in society, but there is still a lot of positives to it. And, you know, I find more uh, satisfaction out of helping someone with a flat tire now than maybe you know, arresting someone for a crime that I would have enjoyed more at a younger age or just, just helping people on a daily basis is, is something you just can't find in other jobs. And it is rewarding. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. And, and thanks for what you do. You, you hit on it, right? In the last couple of years, it's been a wild time. So thank you there. And, and thanks for coming on. And, yeah, and no just, just in summary, if we run, that's my net worth of 1.5 million coming up on a $60,000 pension here as a police officer. So thanks again for joining. Thanks for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. No, thank you, Clark. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire. 